What is up, everybody? It is Mike with another episode of the Wind Up Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it has been a absolute whirlwind of a couple of weeks. Um, I, and oddly enough, surprising enough for all of you who are listening out there, that little impromptu like 20-minute episode when I was in Kansas City is like one of the most popular episodes we've done. I don't know if it was the length. Hopefully, it was the content. Hopefully, you guys are still finding this interesting and exciting. Uh, but since then, we've gotten right back into cellar work. We've, we're starting to run a wine club this week. We are doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I kind of jokingly say this early spring into kind of the heart of the spring season. It's the busiest slow point, of, you know, of our season, basically, uh, especially for us because we don't have a bottling run in the spring. Uh, we're bottling in August, so right now I just get to kind of hunker down, check boxes, dot eyes, cross T's, hit the road every once in a while, host tastings, the whole nine. Uh, but there's, you know, regardless, you know, even though there's not a lot of like heavy winemaking stuff going on, it's still busy. There's still lots of things going on. So um, I want to pick this episode up kind of where we left off uh, with that stint in Kansas City and, and Kansas and Missouri uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, first and foremost, I need to give some shout outs to uh, everyone that we saw out there. I know this is a couple weeks late. Um, it's been an absolutely bonkers couple of weeks getting back into the flow of things here in the Valley, uh, but I want to make sure I give you all a shout out for those of you that are, are listening. Uh, you know, I'm going to do this in chronological order of that week because I was there for eight days and we did six events in those eight days. So if I don't do it in chronological order, I'll probably miss somebody. So I'm going to try and do it starting from that like Tuesday all the way through to that Sunday. I'm not trying to pick favorites. I'm just doing it based on what, how it was organized in my head. So uh, the Duns out at the Carriage House. Uh, it was so great to see you guys. Uh, so much fun. It was a really killer way to start the week. And man, those wings over at Peanuts are just ridiculous. They're so good. Uh, all the little rascals out at Wolf Creek. If you know, you know that place is wild. Uh, ton of fun out there with you guys. Uh, Denny, uh, Tyler, and the team over at Blue Hills, I uh, really appreciate you guys. It was cool to see the place and introduce folks to uh, what I do and say hey to everybody. Uh, shoot, what, from there it was um, Shuttlecork, what we were there for uh, to begin with and kind of what started the planning of this trip, <clears throat> excuse me, is this uh, great event at the Nelson Atkins Museum downtown. We were there for the grand tasting and auction. Uh, luckily, we have so many, my Brittany, the HBIC jokes that I must have a second family in Kansas City at this point because we're out there all the time and we have so many friends <laughs> out there. And I promise I don't, sweetheart, I love you so much. I promise I don't. But uh, it's that event, we just get to see kind of all of our people uh, from the greater uh, Kansas City area, uh, out into Kansas, of course, a little bit further south and uh, east into the state of Missouri. It's just such a, an amazing event uh, to help uh, raise funds for the Nelson and just have a kick-ass time. Uh, so that Friday was absolutely bonkers. Uh, for the Andersons, who invited us for a little impromptu uh, hangout and gathering, no relation, actually, uh, as it turns out, but they do spell their name the right way, S-O-N, Anderson, uh, rather than S-E-N. There, there's a right way and a wrong way to spell that, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, that was Saturday night. And of course, last but certainly not least, uh, the entire crew 
uh, out at the Country Club of Missouri in Columbia. Uh, Jim for putting that all together. Uh, Rodney and his team there. Uh, it was probably the most fun lunch I've been to in a while. It was, hey, it's two o'clock. Let's crush a bottle per person minimum of wine and get after it. Uh, it was a lot of fun and a hell of a way to cap off just a ridiculously fun trip all the way around. And this is something that, you know, in that little impromptu kind of 20 minute episode, I mentioned that we have kind of these four major sales channels within the wine industry between the traditional distribution through retail and restaurants. We have tasting rooms. We have, um, shoot, I'm going to space out on one, the wine club, of course. And then we have, you know, travel and doing events and things around the country. And this is, I mean, this is no joke. This is what started to move the needle for MTGA and what allows me seriously to do what I do, make the wines that I make is getting out on the road and sharing them with people from time to time. Uh, that's what allowed me to start working for myself back in 2018. Uh, short story. I mean, I had, I had quit my day job. My last day was I think October 31st. I was on a plane to St. Louis on November 1st, did an event there, uh, went to Tampa, uh, did another event, two more events in Tampa, and then had a couple more after that. And that was what allowed me to have, I had enough money in the bank after that week of trips to pay rent <laughs> and actually work for myself for at least a few months so I could start to figure out how I was going to you know, really do this. So the on the road events mean the world because that's really what moved the needle and allowed MTGA to become my day job. Uh, you know, the distribution side of things was had always been really, really tough. Historically, we weren't able to do tastings out at the winery up until recently. So that was kind of my ace in the hole. It's like, okay, well, I got to get wine in front of people somehow. So um, I know it's a, it's a couple weeks late, um, but thank you all so very, very much for having us. Uh, we will be back sooner rather than later. Uh, if it's not for, I mean, we'll definitely be back next year around the same time around Shuttlecork and the Derby and things. Uh, but there's a decent chance we'll be back before that too. So thank you all so much for hanging out and uh, supporting us and all that good stuff. Uh, now, what has been keeping us busy since then? Uh, and I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning that this is kind of the busiest part of the slow season for us. Uh, right now, and I'm gonna kind of give you a good like rundown of everything that's going on and kind of the perspective of what we're doing you know, in the spring, going into the summer, and kind of how we're gearing up for the harvest season. Uh, right now, all the vines are growing. The growing season has started. Uh, I haven't seen any flowering just yet, but it should be right around the corner here if it's not starting already. Uh, you know, there are going to be baby grapes on these vines sooner rather than later. And right now for us, we just want this nice springtime, kind of typical 70 and sunny, maybe pushing in the 80s California weather cool nights. We don't want any rain, no wind storms, nothing like that. We want to be nice, easy going. So this is one of those moments where we're kind of, we're looking at the extended forecast. We're looking at the day to day. We're just keeping an eye on things, holding our breath a little bit just to make sure that mother nature is going to play nice with us. Uh, outside of that, in the cellar, we have, we're just checking up on the kids. 
Uh, this week and last week, uh, particularly last week, uh, we did a whole bunch of cellar work, topping up barrels. We had a couple of barrels that we needed to rack and give some air time to, uh, switch out a couple of barrels as just a part of the aging process. Uh, things of that nature. This is just, again, dotting I's, crossing T's, making sure that we're kind of working with preventative medicine in the cellar, that we're staying on top of things that way. There's nothing that we need to fix. We've already taken care of it. And when it comes time for blending and bottling, it's just we, it's all lined up for us to knock it down. So between the vineyard and the cellar right now, it is simply a lot of just making sure everything's on an even keel and that we're moving forward nice and easy from there uh, we have a wine club shipment coming out and you'll see a lot of this for wineries you kind of have your winter shipment maybe a spring shipment uh, typically we try to avoid the summer months just because of the heat uh, i know that there are certain parts of like texas florida of course arizona is already cooking right now uh, so a lot of the Midwest and Northeast, it's still relatively cool. Uh, but we try and get a wine club shipment in, you know, for the spring season, typically by early May or mid-May like we are, um, because now we're saving up for a bottling run. We have a bottling run in August uh, to bottle our Merlot, our Cabernet, our Red Blend. Uh, another fun little thing that I haven't told anybody about just yet, except one, uh, one small group of people uh, that I will divulge later. Um, so we have the remaining art of our 2021s that we're going to be bottling up uh, in August. And basically, the influx of this wine club shipment that's coming in right now is going to pay those bills. It's going to pay for all the glass. It's going to pay for the labels, corks, foils, anything and everything that we need to make that. It's going to pay for the crew and the bottling truck in, in particular. Uh, it's just making sure that we have some liquidity in the bank account to pay our bills uh, that's what the spring wine club shipment is for um, and speaking of which i think this is a good time i mean since we talked a little bit about the travel side of things and kind of that as a sales channel uh, for wineries let's dive into the wine club side of things it's been something that i've been you know meaning to do and it's been on the dock and i think now is a good time as any because it's fresh in my brain we processed a whole bunch of wine club orders this week um, we're starting to get those out and about and what does that mean for a winery business? Uh, now, if you go back to that little 20 minute snippet, we touched on it where the wine club is kind of like a winery's annuity. Like, you know, you're going to have some money coming in and that's what allows you to really craft a pretty decent budget because you have an idea of maybe how many tastings you're going to host and the revenue that's going to come from those you have an idea of how much you're going to be on the road what markets you're going to be in uh, how much wine you sell through distribution all those things and they kind of factor into your overall budget but the wine club for a small brand is indispensable and you could also say allocation list you know if you have you know we do that as well we have a, a traditional wine club where you get to basically pick a four six or twelve bottle shipment i send out hey here's what you're getting you can always customize it but you know Here's what you're getting. It's a good spread of everything. And then we do have an allocation list where you get to pick and choose exact bottle quantities saying, hey, I want six of the Pinot Gris. Hey, I want three of the Pinot Noir. Give me three of the Red Blend also. And you can kind of dial it in a little bit more. I, I really try to make sure that we can customize things uh, to everybody's liking in that way. But whether it's that wine club or that allocation list, it's you know roughly there's going to be a little bit of attrition with every shipment. 
and you're trying to you know backfill that throughout the year. There are going to be some people that drop off. They you know got a lot of wine in their cellar. Uh, maybe they are switching wine clubs to other people because they got a bunch of your wine, but they want to stock up on other people's juice. Hey, no harm, no foul. That's how it is. And from there, you really kind of craft your budget. You know, I look at our wine club pretty much on a maybe not a monthly basis, but every other month to see where it's growing, uh, to see where our attrition is. You know, when you have blips in the economy like we did, you know, early this year, you get a wave of folks saying, hey, we're going to cut back a little bit because, you know, we love wine, but we're going to save a little bit of money, keep keep a little bit more in our bank account. So you have, you know, larger economic factors that play into it. I mean, remember, wine is a luxury good. It's not necessarily something you need, although many of us would argue that point, of course. And you have to keep all that into account. And I know, I knew when I started working for myself full time that the wine club was going to be the thing that allowed MTGA to sustain itself into the future. And this is going to be kind of the perfect example is 2018. I I left my day job, you know, in October, end of October. We had a, a great year in 2019 as my first full year working for myself. Uh, the wine club had been started in 2016. So it had been going for a couple of years. We maybe had like 20 to 40 members in it. It was very small, enough that it was helping pay the bills, of course, uh, but it wasn't where it needed to be to really help MTJ sustain itself. When we started to be able to be on the road and host more tastings in 2018 and 19, it ballooned quite a bit, which was great because we were getting our wine in front of more people. It was allowing me to budget a little bit better and frankly have a little less stress because I knew there was going to be kind of X amount of dollars coming in a couple times a year. And that would help me pay for bottling. That would help me pay for harvest. Speaking of harvest, that's why every winery has a fall wine club shipment. It's because we're paying for grapes, we're paying for barrels. It's, I mean, pretty much two thirds of our budget is gone, you know, is used up in September and October, which means we need money in the bank, which is why we have an October wine club shipment. That's to help supplement all of those expenses that are coming in. Just fun fact for those who are wondering why we structure wine clubs the way we do. The October shipment needs to be gangbusters because we got lots of bills to pay. That simple. So, We're going through 2019 and guess what? I've been working for myself for a little over a year and 2020 hits. I don't need to rehash what happened in 2020. It was a shit show for those that don't remember for some reason. And there's nothing like going out on your own and basically a year later, the world shuts down. It's, it was, at that moment, I assumed I was dead in the water. That MTGA, we weren't going to be able to, I had it, you know, basically budgeted out saying, hey, if we don't, if we can't host these tastings, if we can't be on the road, all we have is our wine club and our mailing list. And we have to try to get wine out to people through a sales channel that is brand new for us, that we're just starting to grow, that's just starting to kind of turn the corner of where we need it to be in order to pay our bills. And to be quite honest, for that first half of 2020, you know, you get into, you know, July and into August, I was not sure if we were going to be able to afford grapes that year. It was that simple. But the thing that helped us was the wine club. 
because one, I mean, it didn't hurt that the happy hours in 2020 kept getting early and earlier. So people needed more wine. So we were shipping out more wine than we had realistically uh, because, you know, folks were, you know, especially our club members and folks on our mailing list wanted to support us as, as a small business, which I can't, it still boggles my mind that we survived 2020 and got into 2021 because we had no business surviving. We were lined up to fail. We did not have a big enough following. Uh, there were We weren't able to do two of the things that allowed me to start working for myself, specifically that travel side of things that I mentioned earlier. You know, we were up shit creek without a paddle. It was a rough go. But the wine club is what allowed me to at least pay off some credit card debt, make the monthly payments and keep moving forward so that we could keep MTGA alive. We, I mean, we were doing CPR on MTGA for 2020. And then in March of 2021, you know, everything started to reopen again. California was back in business and Napa had the busiest year that it's ever had. And we were no different. Um, we'll worry about the supply chain conversation and everything else going through 2022 another time. We'll get into it, I promise, but we're going to save that for another day. But if it weren't for the wine club, we would not be here today. It's really that simple. Um, so, you know, as I'm running these wine club orders and getting through these shipments this week, it's one of those things where it's it means the world. Like I, I mean, many of you have probably received, you know, the confirmation email if you're listening to this. If you haven't, uh, I promise I'm going to be in touch. It's a couple of day process for me to get it through everything. So never fear. You're going to hear from me. If you're not in a wine club, you definitely should be. Just saying. Hashtag ad. <laughs> uh, but it's something that these small wineries and these small businesses rely on to get through any season, much less the rough seasons where you have an entire year basically washed away, whether it be the fires and you just don't have a whole lot of wine to sell or whether it's a COVID year and things just shut down. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. And the wine club is just what it, it is realistically for a small label, whether it's ourselves or anyone else, it is the lifeblood of what we do. The everything else I wouldn't say it's secondary, but it's definitely, you know, wine club is 1A, everything else is 1B. Because that is really what allows us to pay the bills. And, you know, when I start processing orders like I did yesterday and the day before, I'm immediately in my head going, okay, that takes care of the bottling truck. Okay, that takes care of the labels. Okay, that takes care of this. That takes care of that. And I immediately have it in my head of like, okay, did we sell enough wine in this shipment to not have to worry about how we're going to bottle our wine? That I mean, that's where that's what this spring shipment is all about. It's can we have enough money in the bank that once we get to August, we can pay for bottling, full stop without having to worry about anything, and do we have a little bit in the bank to help us start to pay for grapes? Because and barrels, because it's such it's so much money that we kick out in the fall. Uh, so between any re, you know leftover income from this shipment and going into the October shipment, all of that goes to paying bills. All of it, and I think for many wineries, it's you know very very similar. You look at these wine club shipments and you're like, okay, this is what's getting me to here. And the next one's getting me to here. And you, you, once these big gears start turning, you finally have the ebb and flow of your release schedule, 
when you're selling and shipping wine out, and then what bills you have coming up. It's really that simple. And I mean, without it, I don't know how small brands survive. You know, I really, really don't. You know, there was a conversation I was having with uh, a colleague. This was a few months ago. But they they make one really, really high-end wine. The rest of their wines are kind of a little bit more everyday. But they were trying to start kind of this allocation list for this club. The problem is, is that with this really high-end wine, they don't make it every year. So it's this club where it's like, okay, you might get this wine or you might not. And now they're trying to figure out, okay, do we try to supplement with some of our other you know, lower tier wines, for lack of a better word, or do we just say, hey, there's no shipment this year, but you need to stay on the list for next year because we might have it. And it was a really weird model. I'm like, well, hopefully it works for you. I don't know. Hopefully it does. Um, There are other folks that do the, hey, every month you're getting two bottles of wine or one bottle of wine, and it's just boom, 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 boom. Uh, There are folks that do shipments twice a year. There are folks like us that do three times a year. There are folks that do four times a year. Um, It's really kind of the pick your poison, you know, as a wine business. You know, what works for you? uh, What do you find to be most successful? Um, I know, like, the the two-bottle clubs, like, once a month, you know, work great, especially for wines that are a little bit more affordable because it's just kind of a, oh, yeah, we need a couple bottles of wine this month. No big deal. You know, for us, our, we do three shipments a year, starting at four bottles. So you're going to get, on average, a case of wine a year. That's one bottle per month if you average it out. But it just comes in these larger chunks, uh, realistically, because it's more efficient shipping-wise uh, and more affordable shipping-wise, realistically. Uh, shipping has not gotten any cheaper uh, over the last four years, five years, since we really started getting our wine club ramped up. Oh, gosh, it's been seven years since we started it. Oh, it's 2023. Sometimes you just lose track of time, you know? Now, the interesting thing about wine clubs, and this is something that we're working on kind of as we speak, is the attrition side of things. Because you know people are going to fall off. They're going to people that say, hey, you know, we want to buy other people's wine. Hey, we've been in the club for a couple of years. And I believe, if I remember right, the statistic is the average wine club member stays in a wine club for about two to maybe two and a half years. Maybe, on average. Um, we're very lucky that we have a much higher average than that. But, you know, that's typically when people start to fall off. They've been buying wine for a couple of years. They have a lot of it stocked up or they are just wanting to try new things. So they move on. No harm, no foul. Just the way it is. And this is the thing that really hurt a lot of people in a year like 2020, is that you don't have guests coming out to the winery to sign up. You're not signing people up necessarily from being on the road and doing events. You're just seeing that attrition happen. And this is something that happened to us. And it was like, oh, shit, how do we encourage people to stay in and support you know, our business versus somebody else versus whatever? And... You know, obviously that's an extreme case, but those are the kind of things that you have to think about. So, you know, we have, you know, some cares, you know, for some of our original members, some of the first, the first 15 uh, members that signed up for our wine club and the supporters who have really, uh, you know, been with us since the very beginning. We have a little care package of a, you know, a fleece vest and a corkscrew that's going out. Um, For anyone who's been in our club for three years, you get an MTGA laser etched wine key. Um, There's going to be a vest uh, that comes along for all of our uh, five year and 
on down the line members. You know, we try and throw out some swag to people every once in a while. Um, we try and give folks first access to things like our Cabernet Franc, you know, and, and our single barrel wines that are super small production. You know, there's a lot of things that wineries will do, not just us. A lot of it tends to be the, hey, you get first dibs on all this stuff before it sells out. Here's a little bit of swag. <clears throat> Maybe, you know, here's a special wine we made just for the club. No one else gets access to it. Um, there's all kinds of stuff uh, that we try to do to, you know, keep you around as best we can. And it's typically when someone does, Freddie, what? Frederick, that's rude. No. Buddy, you've been fed. I don't want to hear it. I'm in the middle of something. Can't you see? Come here. No. I know. Come here. Come here, you nugget. My goodness. So chatty. Very, very opinionated when it comes to the do's and don'ts of Wine Club. When shipments go out, how they go out. I know, buddy, you're fine. It's been a while since we've had a little cat interruption in the show, but obviously he has lots of opinions. I'm glad he was able to air them on today's show. Thanks, Freddie. Have a great day. Oh, boy. Valuable input from that one. Where were we? Oh, yes. So there are a lot of like little things that we try and do within our wine clubs to make sure that they stay interesting. You know, we obviously, between Brittany and I, we try to keep in touch personally with all of our club members. We try and do that with everybody, but specifically our club members to make sure that you have direct access to the winemakers, the owners, uh, the people who are doing all the day-to-day -day work so we can, you know, assist you in any way possible. You know, there's a lot of value add that we try to provide and hopefully, you know, it allows you to feel good about supporting a small family business. Um, I'd say this is no different than, you know, any other small brand that's trying to keep things going. Uh, it does go a little bit back to last week's episode and the whole uh, marketing cause and effect and how you feel about big, big companies like, say, a Gallo or an InBev, a uh, Bud Light, you know, kind of situation, uh, whatever the case may be, you know, because they make a lot of good wine that's fine for Tuesday night pizza wine. It's, you know, X amount of dollars per bottle. You can buy it without any, you know, worry realistically. Um, you know, I had this amazing question from somebody uh, at one of our events. Uh, this is from Saturday's event uh, out in uh, Kansas City. Uh, just off the plaza is where we were. And she asked, it was a very poignant question. And I, and I loved the way she asked it because she, she listed, I think it was uh, Camus, Silver Oak, Sterling, um, God, and probably four, the, the prisoner. There were probably, you know, half a dozen, you know, kind of big, what are now big name brands that are owned by larger conglomerates and corporations. Um, I think she even mentioned like Joseph Phelps which now that they're owned by, I think they're LVMH now, I'm like, eh, less interested. Um, I think she also mentioned Farniente, and they now have this uh, investment group that's, you know, I think owns half of them, I think technically. Regardless, she asked, you know, do, do you drink these wines? And I told her, no. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, you know, the act, I mean, one is access. I mean, we, you know, when you live in Napa and you have friends who are in the wine industry, you know, it's it's just what we have at our fingertips versus what you're going to find in your Costco or your, you know, 
gomers if you're talking about you know like kansas city area or if you're talking about like specs or heb in texas or whatever uh wherever you're shopping for your wine uh you know you're limited based on what access you have you know and we're very lucky that we are in a place where we have quick access to some really small producers that many people have never never heard of but that's just luck of the draw basically and but her follow-up question was well why like they make good wine like we drink it out here like why don't you drink those wines i said well number one i personally don't care for those wines just very subjectively it doesn't mean it's a bad business or their wines are bad but they're just not those wines just aren't interesting to me you know i would rather try i i actively seek out the small brands that I've never heard of, you know, the blends and the styles that I've never heard of, because I want to try what's new, different, interesting. I'm trying to find things that might be inspiring for me and my own winemaking. It's a very different, my, my, my how I drink wine is very, very different uh, because I am in the thick of it. I do it for a living and it's not anything to do with hey i gotta make sure i gotta try and keep up with the brand names i could care less what any of those guys are doing you know from a winemaking perspective it's such a different style of business and they're so focused on you know mass production and consumption that it's just not a realm that i'm ever going to play in it's just that simple at least as far as i know i don't have a crystal ball but MTGA is not really going to be getting any bigger in terms of its production size. Uh, maybe 12 to 1500 cases is where we're going to sit versus tens of thousands or hundreds or millions of cases. So take that for what it is. But what I also told her was the wine club and allocation list, like it might be kind of a pain. The wines might be more expensive. You might have to pay for shipping. I understand that in the Amazon world we live in, you don't want to pay for shipping. Guess what? Even when you're buying through Amazon Prime, you are paying for shipping. It's just rolled up into the prices of all their products. It's just not there as a line item. You're still paying for shipping. I hate to burst your bubble. That's how it works. Uh, when shipping is included, it's included in the price. Just how it is. But, you know, I understand. It, it can be more expensive to support small producers through things like a wine club or an allocation list. But... If you do really give a shit about what you're consuming and you want to support small brands that you align with going back to, you know, our marketing conversation last week, that's the way you got to do it. It takes a little bit more effort. It might be a little bit more expensive. I mean, I'll tell you what, for the longest time, and then this is how many of us are. You know, for the longest time, you go through a grocery store, especially as you're, you're you're growing up, you're a young adult, you're trying to figure out your way, you're broke as shit, you're trying to, you're, you're finding the stuff that's on sale, right? You go in to the Safeway at the end of the day when they know, when you know their pastries are going to be half off because they can't resell them the next day. So you can get them on a deal. You know that on Fridays, that roast chicken is half off or whatever, like you figure out, you know that you can go to Jack in the Box and get two tacos for 99 cents. Actually, they're a buck 29 now. Highway robbery, four tacos for less than $4. Ugh, used to be less than $3. Inflation, man, it'll get you. But at a certain point, you know, it really depends on kind of what's on sale in the aisle. Of course, our neighbors start doing, this is such a shit show of an episode, my goodness. I got cats yelling at me. I got neighbors doing a shit ton of yard work next door. My goodness. My apologies. 
the joys of doing it from a home office and not like a proper studio. <laughs> We're not that cool. Not yet. Um, but anyway, you know, at a certain point, you're just buying what you can because that's what you can afford. And I know full well, there are plenty of folks, it's that Seinfeld episode, right? We remember this episode. If you don't know it, go find the clip. It's probably on YouTube somewhere where they're buying a bottle of wine and they're arguing like, why would anyone pay $7 for a bottle of wine? It's a bottle of wine. Why would you pay that much? It's hilarious. Like for us in the wine industry, it's like, well, we can tell you why. <laughs> Quality versus quantity, my friend. And that's really our mentality. And if you're into supporting small, and listen, and if, if, if you want to buy wine from small producers every once in a while, you don't want to do the wine club thing or the allocation list thing, you, you know you have your tried and true wines at your local you know, grocery or liquor store, more power to you. You know, that's why I love wine. It's so immaculately subjective and you just have to roll with it. You just drink what you like. That is what matters. You know, and I, I tell this to everybody, you know, us little guys, we love the shit on the big guys because they're the big, you know, you know, we always say, you know, the quality versus quantity argument, you know, the amount of sugar in some of those wines versus what's in ours, you know, the amount of level of detail and complexity and quality and everything that goes into it. You know, it's, it's, you know, many people have experienced this where you come out to Napa and you're, you know, tasting through these small producers, it's a higher quality product. You're a little less hang hungover than buying the cheap stuff that you're used to buying back home. Drink responsibly, hydrate, have electrolytes. Pro tip. <laughs> all right. But if that's not for you, it's not for you. It's all good. Buy what you like. Just because I don't buy Camus, just because I don't buy the prisoner, doesn't mean you can't. I don't care for those wines personally. It doesn't mean they're not fine. They're just a little too sweet for me. That's what I told her. I was like, these are they're just a little too sweet for me. It, that's just my own subjective opinion. If, if you like them and you want to spend that money, I also know how much those wines are right now. And it's like, okay, well, you're spending good money on wine. You know, you're not buying two buck chuck here. You're not buying black box. You're not buying like, you know, that's the stuff, that tier of like $9.99 and below, right? So you're okay with spending money on wine. But if that's just the stuff you like, then that's the stuff you like. You don't need, I mean, if you don't, it's it just kind of is what it is. And that's why we have things like our wine club and allocation list is that if you want direct access to small producers that you're not going to find out and about, that's your ace in the hole. That's how you get a hold of them. Yeah, takes a little bit more work. Yeah, might be a little bit more expensive, but damn it, you know you're going to be getting stuff that's, you know, a direct line to the brands, hopefully that you have a personal connection with, rather than just going to a grocery store and be like, oh, that label looks cool, right? And that's really what, for us, our wine club is about. It's, and I think for many, many small brands, I can speak for them, that it's about building that connection to people that love good wine, they want to learn more about it, they enjoy it, and they want to support small producers and craft businesses, whatever you want to call them. You know, it's, it's really our way of getting the wine that you want to your front door. And yeah, it might be a little pricier. But damn it, at least you get to support someone small, up and coming, someone you actually care about versus just grabbing whatever cool labels on your shelf, you know, at your local grocery store. So, you know, that's really 
I think the main benefit, and there's a lot of other perks that come with, you know, being in a wine club, but you know what, that's the big one for me personally. It's, it's how Brittany and I join clubs. It's, are these people that we want to support? Is this a company that we align with and we care about and we want to see them succeed? So therefore we're buying their wine on a regular basis. You know, that's how we operate. And that's really the importance of of the wine club side of things. And, and I, I get, it. you know, wine clubs allocation lists are not for everybody. Again, it's, this is all subjective. This is not like some, hey, if you're not in a wine club, you're doing it wrong. That's not how it is. It's not how it is. But it's it's really for us as small businesses and small wineries, you know, outside of the travel stuff that we touch on, of course, hosting tastings at the winery. The wine club is arguably the most important because it's what truly allows us to stay in business during some of the really rough periods. And damn it, if 2020 <laughs> wasn't the shining star example of that, I don't know what is. Uh, so it's, uh, it's man, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it was something that I personally, you know, I knew the importance of it working for other brands, uh, larger companies, as well as smaller ones that um, really, you know, were hammered, hey, we got to sign more people up for the wine club. And then when I started working for another small winery before uh, going and working for myself, that's when it clicked in. Because I did the projections, I looked at, hey, here's if we do like moderate growth over the next couple of years, here's, you know, where our wine sales go here, like we can start affording the stuff that you want to be affording, we can start really kick, you know, we can really drive the revenue home and be able to do the things we want to do on this property and, and achieve the goals we want to achieve. And that would have been man, that would have been in like 2000. And shoot, it would have been like 2016, 2017. So it was a right about that same time. I was like, holy shit, we need to be doing this for MTGA, like immediately, it was this, all of a sudden, the lights went on. I'm like, this is how this is how we move forward as a business. And I had never had that perspective before. And it's pretty amazing to have. Um, and once you combine that wine club side of things with maybe a little bit of travel, maybe some distribution and a tasting space, I mean, at that point, you're clicking on all cylinders. I mean, realistically, in my opinion, you probably need at least two of those four. Actually, realistically, probably three of those four to really, really be successful. Um, it's tough to do all four well. You know, the tastings and wine club kind of go hand in hand and the travel is always kind of a supplemental thing is the way I view it. But, you know, it's so important, so important to what we do in the wine industry as small labels. Uh, but again, it's just kind of dependent on your style of business, what kind of trouble you want to get into and realistically kind of how big you want to get. I mean, shoot, Rombauer, Domaine Chandon, you know, any of the big names have a wine club of some sort. They absolutely do. And that's not by mistake. Interestingly enough, even as big as they might be, they operate under some of the same ideas that we do. Uh, but when you're distributing, you know, across the world, you know, your wine club, you know, the margins are better, but it's still just a small percentage of what your overall revenue might be. But it's nice to have. It's nice to have on that big scale. So that has been the... This episode, God, my brain is so zonked right now. After all that travel, all the cellar work and going right into a club shipment, this is when you see Mike start to like, there's like one brain cell just bouncing around up here that's just all over the place. 
Um, again, I want to thank everyone out in Kansas and in Missouri for coming out. It was such an amazing week out there. Uh, it is so nice to be back in the cellar, checking up on the kids, making sure we're lined up for the rest of the season, getting things bottled later this August. Um, I hope that helped explain a little bit more about the business aspect of Wine Club, how we organize it, why we organize it the way we do, because it's 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 our lifeblood. It's what really keeps small businesses going in the wine industry, and it's something that cannot be discounted. So um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, we got to work on the algorithm to make sure we start popping up at the top of things. So uh, be sure to share this with friends. You can just go, uh, you know, share the link uh, wherever you're finding it. Uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube for the video portion of it. You get to see my lovely pearly whites that are sometimes stained purple uh, on the screen there. Uh, Apple Podcasts. I think we're on a few others. Uh, Hopefully you can find us. If we're not on a place where you can find your podcast, leave something in the notes and I'll figure out how to get it posted there. That way where you got our bases covered. So thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a blast. Uh, we will be back next week. Is next week our Q&A? Hold on. I think it is. Oh, no. Why is my calendar not working? Oh, here we go. Oh, this is another. Oh, we got another five Wednesday week month. All right, so next week, we're going to be getting into our monthly Q&A, and then on the 31st, I'm going to be coming fresh out of Bottle Rock, the music festival that's here in town, um, so the 31st might be a little squirrely, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to figure out something fun and different to do for our bonus episode this month, so take care, have an excellent rest of the day, rest of the week, and we will see you next time.